on this Sunday. Some of you are here and we see you every week and some of you, um, we see it, this is a time of year where we often get to see you again. And this is often the, uh, the, the expectancy is that, well, the, the preacher is going to stand up and he's going to tell you about Jesus. He's going to give you a, a gospel message. And I just wonder, even when we sing that song this morning, you know, some of you may remember days like today, as our brother shared this morning, of something that happened to him three years ago. And maybe you remember other days like this when the Lord spoke into your life and perhaps something was changed forever. And maybe you come in here this morning and you remember days like these and they're just like memorials for you. You remember people that, that used to be a part of your church community that meant so much to you. So there's just all of these memories that often come and take place on a day like today on Easter Sunday. And this is actually my sixth Easter sermon here at WACOB. And one thing that I'm always trying to do is to connect this story with your story. I want you to realize that what I have right here is not, just a, is not a book that was written 2,000 years ago that has no relevance to today. It still speaks to you today. And you are right here in this story of resurrection of life if you will allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life this morning. Um, and just, just since I'm sharing that, even if you've, how often you ever pick up this book, and by the way, you should have, I'd love for you to grab a Bible that's in front of you, and if you don't have one, um, there's, there's Bibles back there in the back that you can even take home with you today. But right here, if you've ever picked up this book before and you need just a little guidance, here's some, here's some quick guidance for you. If you need encouragement, go to the books, book of Psalms. If you need some wisdom, if you feel kind of dumb like I do a lot, go to the book of Proverbs. Um, are you into horror stories? You like horror? Read the book of Revelation, okay? Are you into, do you feel bad about yourself? Or do you want to feel bad for yourself? Read Ecclesiastes, okay? There's somebody else that will help you do that with you. I'm not going to tell you. Um, it's a little PG-13 rated, but you could read Song of Solomon too if you want to, if you're into that kind of stuff as well. Um, but if you want, and what we're going to do today, if you want a challenge in your life, and you want the Lord to speak to you and allow Him to bring about some change, then I want to encourage you to read through a gospel as we've been doing in previous weeks leading up to today. And today, we're going to find ourselves in a story in, one of, in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. I believe this is a story that everyone in this room, Mark 10, verses 17 through 27, I believe this is a story that everyone in this room can find themselves in. All right? So will you join me as we begin with a word of prayer this morning? Tell me one more time about Jesus. It's the song that we've opened up this message with today, Lord. I believe I sit in a room full of people that have heard this story in some way, shape, or form before. And so the question is, on a morning like today... What will you speak to them that will be new? As today is Resurrection Sunday and we, and we celebrate new life. Today is a Sunday that many could just come in here and have the, the Easter celebration and go through the motions. Or in a moment like today, we can have an encounter with you. And our lives can be shaped, our lives can be changed forever. So Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would move in the lives of our people today. 
we would be attentive and ready to respond to what you are saying to us in such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark 10, 17 through 27. It's a passage called The Rich Young Ruler, and the question to today's sermon message is titled, What Good Thing Must I Do? Mark 10, 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. You shall shall not defraud. And you should honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter, enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. All right, so today, what good thing must I do? And I want to talk... uh, talk to you a little bit about this man we call the rich young man. And here's, so we're going to just go through this text a little bit and talk about a few things. And I want you, what I've challenged you as I've begun this message this morning, is to see yourself in light of this passage. See where you may fit into this passage, because maybe you, I've already read this, and you would think that you don't have a lot in common. Well, let's, let's first of all, let's talk about what we know about this man. First of all, we know that he was young. We have the Mark version of the gospel, but this is one story that is in three of the synoptic gospels. So that means this one happened. <laughs> this actually, I mean, this is a story that everybody, everybody knew it happened. It was something that was shared throughout, um, th- throughout all of the area that everybody knew of this rich young man who came up to Jesus. All three gospel writers wanted to include this in, in their gospels. So the first thing we know about him was that he was young, as Matthew 19.20 calls him young. Secondly, he was rich. Now, most people see that right there, and we bow out and we say, well, I can't relate to this guy. This guy was rich. And right away when we read this scripture, especially if you already know the rest of the story, we find ourselves rooting against this guy because he's rich. I just want to throw something out here. How many of you in this room have a car? Drive an automobile. 8% of the people in this world have a car. How many of you have two cars? You are loaded. And see, we chuckle, but it's true. One billion people in this world don't have clean water. 
800 million people in this world won't eat today. How many of you have multiple rooms in your house? Once again, you're loaded. You have land that is yours, or still the banks, but, you know, pretty close to yours, right? Someday. See, our perspectives of wealth is always, our perspective of wealth is always in comparison to stuff that we don't have, all right? But I want to show you, I want to show you just how incredibly rich I am, because I have some stuff that I know all of you um, are really going to want, okay? How many of you have one of these? Huh? Huh? I already I was supposed to remember what this was called. Anybody know it's a wobble ball? Is it what's it called? Anybody know what this is called? A wobble bubble. Yes. How many of you have a wobble bubble? See, you're jealous, aren't you? Yeah. Do you know all the different things I can do with this? You know, I could I could throw it like that. I can I can trip over it in my living room when the lights are out. Um, I can step on it and pop it and make my kids cry. All kinds of different things I can do with this, all right? Something else, something else, just to show you how incredibly rich I am and make you jealous. I even have a special case for it. You guys know what this is? My special case that I pop out here. I know what this is? A fidget spinner, that's right. You ever seen one of these before? You know what you do with it? That's pretty much it. But I have one. Now, just to show you, just to show you how ridiculous this was, we, I gave these out. As, um, I usually give our dads something for Father's Day. And I can't remember what the theme was because it tied into the message somehow. I'm sure I did a great job. I don't know. But, but I gave everybody uh, uh, a fidget spinner before they left. And I'm not kidding you. <laughs> we ran out. And I had a couple people the next week say, hey, Pastor Bro, just want to let you know, I still didn't get a fidget spinner. I still didn't get a fidget spinner from last week's message. That's how bad... Everybody wanted one. Now, my point is, here's two things that in my life I've spent money on that I don't really need. You know, we got this, we got, well, I have excess money to buy stuff like this. This wobble bubble and this fidget spinner. And you may be, be, even be sitting here and you'd say, well, Pastor Brody, that's not a really fair comparison because, you know, nobody really cares that much about the wobble bubble. I'm sure you could throw that away today and be happy. And I could. You could throw that, this away. Uh, you could throw away your fidget spinner today and be happy. But, you know, none of, but, but, but we couldn't talk about something that almost everyone in this room has. And they're incredibly consumed with it. That, that yet still a very small percentage of people in this world have one. But yet almost everybody in America has one. And we just can't put it down. We just can't take our eyes off of it. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. We all have one of these as well. Now, my point is that we all have stuff. And we don't think we have stuff. And we don't realize just how incredibly in bondage to our stuff oftentimes we are. See, what we need to appreciate about this text when we see this guy called the rich, young ruler, how about we don't root against him right away and maybe ask ourselves some honest questions. You know what? Maybe I'm kind of like that guy. 
Maybe there's a lot of things that I'm hanging on to that could keep me from following Jesus. See, here's what it says next about him. It says he was accomplished early in life. This guy wasn't lazy. He was a go-getter. I mean, he, he went after things. The fact that he was young and, and he'd already acquired wealth as young as he was, he was everything that our culture wants us to be. And here's something, here's the next piece of this that's incredibly interesting. It says he came to Christ running and falling on his knees. See, if you're still rooting against this guy, this ought to be the passage where you start to say, hey, maybe this guy's legit. Like, he's, he's got everybody looking at him. He's got everything going for him. And he comes, he runs to Christ, falls on his knees and humbles himself in front of everyone. I mean, I don't know about you, but now I'm starting to think this guy's for real. I mean, he has... For me, it's like when I find out, I mean, it's like, see, we, we just kind of have this attitude when we see the rich young ruler, uh, we're, we're like automatically rooting against him. It's like, it's like when we find out somebody's a Michigan fan, right? We liked them for a while, and then we hear that they were a Michigan fan, and we just don't really want to talk to him anymore. Steelers fans, same way for me. That's just the way I feel personally. Um, but we've already identified with the fact that we are actually really in the category of this guy, too. This man with wealth and accomplishment is falling on his knees in humility towards Christ. If you didn't know the end of this story based on his desperation and humility, you would assume he was as many others that came to Christ in poverty in need of healing so that they could take care of themselves and move on with life. The next thing about this guy is that he knew and he practiced the commandments. He knew and he practiced the commandments. So wait a second. So now this tells us that he is a bit more devout. That he is a guy that, 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 that knows. So, so wait a second, Pastor Birdie. It's Easter Sunday and you're supposed to talk to the people that don't come to church that often maybe. Or, but actually this guy is more like those that did. He was religious. He had the right spiritual posture as he came to Christ on his knees and, and ran to him. See, I get the feeling that this, this man is one of those guys that is willing to do anything. So his heart's right. Everything about him, his motives are pure. He's coming to Christ. He's, he, he's coming to Christ. He's, he's got the proper posture. He knows the commandments. He's literally asking a good question. What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Last, that was it. That was the last thing that he, that he asked. He wanted to know what he could do to inherit eternal life. Verse 21 is really interesting. It says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Many scholars that I study didn't want to touch that text and explain exactly what it was because it is a bit of a mystery to them. But the Greek word there is a form of the term agape love, which is the greatest form of love possible. It's the love that Christ has for us, sacrificial love. And it says that Jesus looked at him and he loved him. It expresses the way that Christ felt about this man. Christ wanted him to get it. He wanted him to understand. He was not going to beat around the bush for this guy. And instead he tells him something that he knew this man would not want to hear. See, 
I wonder if you're starting to like this guy a little bit more. Because when I read this passage, I realize he's really a lot like me. He's a good guy. I get the feeling that he's willing and he can't accomplish anything he puts his mind to. He's driven. He's not lazy. I get the feeling that he will do the right thing if he knows what the right thing is to do. I think that's a lot like many of us here in this room. A guy that really wants to do good. And here's what Christ says to him. He says, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then come follow me. And how does the man respond? He walks away with his head down. And is very sad. The scripture says, because he had great wealth. Because he had a lot to lose. Now, I want you to recognize what just happened in this passage because nobody, I've never seen anywhere in this world except for maybe the case of the monastics where people have based theology upon this passage. By that I mean what it means to be, that would be like me saying what it means to be a Christian is the only way you can follow Christ is to go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. You really don't see anybody preaching that gospel. Actually, we often see the opposite. We see people preaching the prosperity gospel that you're really not a Christian unless you're loaded and God's not really blessing you unless you have a lot of stuff, which is garbage. I'll just say it out loud. But this isn't a teaching that you ever hear as well, that the only way you're ever going to be a Christian is to go sell everything that you have and give to the poor. So what in the world just happened here in this passage? Jesus spoke right to this man's heart because everybody that comes to Christ has always got that one thing that they think that they just can't let go of. And it wasn't just the command to go sell everything that you had. It was the command to go sell everything that you had and come follow me. See, what you don't realize is that when you choose to walk with Christ, the call is not just about the things that you want for yourself, like eternal life, like peace on this earth, like to feel good about yourself. It's also about dealing with the things that you're not willing or not wanting to do. The things that you don't want to give up. It's about surrendering your ownership to the will of the Lord, recognizing that not only all that you have, but all that you are is an instrument that was created to worship God and to live for his purposes. Jesus spoke directly to that need. See, we ought to be able to sit here today and say that maybe we don't know exactly what we would do if we were sitting in the shoes of the rich man. It's easy to criticize him now and say, look at this loaded rich guy, couldn't give up what he had to follow Christ. But then again, it might be different if Jesus in the flesh were sitting right next to you and looking right into your eyes. He's calling you by your name and said, this is what it's going to take for you to come follow me. I don't know. That's how the scripture is a bit of a paradox for me, because I can sit here with my selfish, arrogant self at times and say, I honestly don't know what I would do. Everything you have, Brody, say goodbye to it. Give up everything you've ever acquired, everything you've fought, you've worked so hard for. Lay it down and now come follow me. I felt like I made a decision like that when I was 19 years old. But I wonder if there are still things, but I know as I, excuse me, I know as I still stand here today that there's still things that I hold back. And I wonder how many of you still in this room are still sitting in that seat today 
where I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, but... And see, the truth of this, the problem was what this man was... The problem was that this man was coming to Christ on his terms. We do this all the time. When it comes to faith, we have all of these things that we're not willing to do. And the truth is that a lot of those things just have to do with with our pride. In this man's life, Jesus speaks directly to those preconceived terms. There's another word that can be used to name what those preconceived terms are. We call it sin. Simple definition of sin is missing the mark, falling short of the glory of God, that which separates one from God. There's sins of commission, but there's also the walls that we build in our life that say, God, you don't have permission to enter. Let's say that again. There's walls that we build in our life where we say, Lord, I want to follow you, but in this area, you don't have permission to enter. This Easter message today is about recognizing a moment of salvation for one who has never began a relationship with Christ. To recognize exactly what the Lord is calling you to do. He's calling, he's, He wants your life. He does want all of you. And there's always these things that we're willing to hang on to. And the Lord is, is, is asking us to let go of those things today. For the religious, it's also a call for those that still have walls that they have built up and say that I won't change or that they're not willing to change. And today is a day where we can take a moment to confess those preconceived terms that we've already made unto the Lord. Today, as we see ourselves as the rich young ruler, we can allow the light of God's word to expose these areas of our life where we are a sinner in need of a Savior. A favorite passage that I always share is Luke 9, 23 through 25. Then Jesus says to his disciples, he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? The story of the rich young ruler is tragic. Because the creator of the universe is speaking to him in the flesh. What's crazy is I think this guy actually believes that Jesus is who he says he is. And how does he respond to him in that moment? He says no, and he walks away sad. This is a tragic scripture, but it's also the invitation that you and I have to wrestle with each and every day. The Lord is calling us to follow him. And whether it's something big, whether it's something small, yes, the truth is, is that we will have to lay aside some things to follow Christ. But we also realize that our life is truly found when we pursue him. But church, what we have to realize is that when we put it in comparison to what we were created to do, and the creator of the universe, the God of this universe, is giving you the great invitation to come follow me. It's like us standing here with this stupid, goofy ball and saying, uh-uh, I ain't letting go of my stuff. <coughs> I want to keep this. I want to keep, keep my wobble bubble. I want to keep my fidget spinner. And you better believe I'm keeping my iPhone. I'm not saying God's calling you to give up your wobble bubble. I don't believe the Lord's calling you necessarily to give up your fidget spinner. 
Can't, I won't tell you, I won't get stones thrown at me and say he's telling you to give up your iPhone. But the Lord is asking you to be willing to set aside some things in your life, mostly your own agenda, your own purpose, all that you think that you are and say, find your identity <coughs> in me. See, I don't ever give, I always come on Easter Sunday, I don't give a soft message that will say just if you just say a prayer because I know that the message of the gospel is much deeper than that. And to us selfless Americans, we need to hear it pretty loud and clear that God does want us to lay down some things that come after him. My fear is that in our country, we're forming a, a, a version of Christianity that no longer costs us anything. And if your salvation hasn't cost you anything in the process, I'll be honest with you and tell you, it's probably not salvation. It's a religious facade. Jesus is posing the same question that he posed to the rich young man. What is it today that you're hanging on to? Conviction of sin like this is just recognizing that you are falling short and saying it's time to move on. It occupies. Some of us have things that occupy way too much of our time. We have this weird, like, like a real awkward rubber ball that just gets in the way and is annoying. Perhaps there's things like our iPhone that consume us. Perhaps there's things like a fidget spinner that just occupies way too much wasted, unnecessary time. And ultimately, that's exactly what the Lord is saying to us. Compared to destiny, these things are just not worth it. You were created to have an intimate relationship with a living, resurrected God. You were created to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live life in similar fashion to Superman. Don't let comfortable complacency keep you from your destiny. In this church for years, maybe you've been in this church for years, and you have your terms about what you will do and what you won't do. And even in a service. So here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to conclude the, this message today. I mean, I believe we have all people of different walks that, that didn't hear what the Lord is saying today, that today is a day to let go of something. Let go of something that we're hanging on to that is just an unnecessary, annoying, pathetic obstacle in our life that keeps us from truly following Christ. Some of the biggest ones that I haven't even mentioned yet are that constant knack that says, well, one day, as soon as I get everything together, as soon as my kids get a little older, we're not so busy, we'll start going to church. And as soon as, as, soon as, 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 soon as we get just a little bit more money, we're a little bit more comfortable. I know when they go to church, they're going to want to tithe, so we're not ready to do that. I mean, there's so many preconceived terms. And who knows that this couldn't be your last day. This couldn't be your last invitation. And for others, it's just simple. it could be just simple apathy. The reality is whether we've been coming here for years or whether we see whether you've come in here today, many people just really don't care that much about the relationship with Jesus Christ. And his invitation is not to just say hi to me. <laughs> I'm glad you came and asked what good thing you can do. And then we get a good thing that we can do and we go on our way. The invitation from the rich for the rich young ruler was give it all up and come follow me. That's the invitation that the Lord has for you today as well. So today I'm going to conclude service, and I'm going to play for you my favorite song. Everybody's got a favorite song. This is my favorite song, and it's not Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, okay? Now, uh, many of you have never heard it before. If you've been in church with me here for years, you've heard it at least once. Um, but it's a song called No Sacrifice by Jason Upton. The lyrics are so pure and so sweet. It's simply, 
And this is what we all need to realize in our culture today. It says, to you, I give my life, not just the parts I want to. And it's, it continues to recognize that all that we have in giving to Christ is so worth it. We, we can call it a sacrifice, but really it's not a sacrifice because his ways for us are better than anything we could ever achieve for ourselves. Your God-given destiny is better than anything you could ever manipulate or put your hands on or try to get for yourself. Church, that's what I want you to understand today. And so as the song goes, um, we're going to play the song and we're just going to have a time, of, uh, a time of prayer together. And I'm going to ask you, I hate to do this to you. I am going to ask you to put those lyrics on because now I'm thinking about it. We had two ways we were going to do this. I'm going to ask you to put the lyrics up. Now, I want to ask you to do something different today. There's some people here that I believe, not yet, not quite yet, that are going to give their, their life to Christ maybe for the first time today. And there's others who have been in this church for years that are recognizing that there's some walls that they've built up. Some walls that they build up that keep them from truly following Christ. Some things that they're hanging on to, like some wobble bubbles and like some fidget spinners that just aren't worth it. And, and so I'm going to ask you to do something different. And I'm not even going to tell you what, I'm going to give you some, some options. As this song begins to play, maybe, you just, maybe for you a way to respond to the Lord is just to stand and begin to sing the lyrics. Maybe for you it's, it's you need to lift up your hands. Maybe for you, you need to find a place and take a knee. Maybe for some of you that, that don't want today just to be another Sunday for you, but want it to be a point where you realize that today I've made a decision to follow Christ, maybe some of you want to come forward today, all right? At the conclusion of this song, we're going to pray for some that want to begin their life with Christ for the very first time. You can begin to play that song now, Nick. At this time, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what the Lord is speaking to you today as this song can, begins to play. If you want to stand and sing, if you want to take a knee, if you want to come forward, Um, If you want to lift up your hands and just worship the Lord, this is now your opportunity this Easter Sunday to respond to what the Lord is saying to you. Let's lift that, turn that up and listen. To you. As you're right here, as your seat, as your seat is, the song continues to play and you look at the lyrics, I want to encourage you to respond to what the Lord is saying to you this morning. You want to stand where you're seated and begin to sing. If you want to come forward, just want to lift up your hands in your own way. I want to encourage you to respond.
The last lines of this song just simply say to you, I give my past, to you, I give my present, to you, I give my future. down Nick bring it down well today we'll make a confession the Lord your ways are better than ours and all across this room Lord I pray you would raise up people uh, that would have a desire to choose you over the things of this world Lord awaken our hearts to serve you and every all across this room with every head bowed of today would be a day where you would say that I need to make a confession is maybe you're more like the, the, the identify with the side of the religion of the rich man and say, you know what? I confess that there's some walls that I've built up in my life. And if that's you right now and nobody else is looking around, I just want you to lift up a hand in response to the Lord that I confess that there's some walls that I've built up where I've said, Lord, I'm not willing to let you in. If that's you, just at this time, I want to encourage you. No, every eyes, all eyes closed, heads bowed. If that's you, just lift up your hand right now. That's you. If you would say today is a day where I want to give my life to Christ for the very first time. Uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've walked away or you need to begin a new relationship with the Lord. At this time, I want to encourage you to lift up your hand. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you uh, for the people that have come here today to hear your word. Now, Lord, I pray your word would go forth and bear fruit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.